everybody. Welcome back to another No Regrets Bears podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Morton. My wife and Carla is here, and yeah, this is going to be person, part I two. I know. We know <laughs> that. This is going to be part two of our conversation with Lisa and Rick Moore. And I hope you're here, but I've listened last week. And if you didn't, stop right now and go back and listen to part one of this conversation with this couple. Uh, just a quick recap for those of you who were with us. And if you haven't went to this, quit listening, go back and listen to it. Um, boy, we had a drastic change when Rick had his fistula. I like to think it was like it was a balloon that was sort of filling up with stuff in there. In his brain. In his brain. And, uh, and in trying to treat that, ended up having a stroke that really changed your lives in a really big way. And so that's where we left off last week. And after those points where you came to the realization, things are going to be different now. And so let's start off with our first question. You know, I know that when I think back of Carla and I, and, you know, we were in ministry, we were early mm-hmm. in our marriage, and and God gave us this child, our first child, with this severe heart defect. And there was a lot of, seriously, God? Here we are. Hey, we're in ministry. <laughs> you don't do things like that to people in ministry, God. What are you doing? And there was a lot of questioning there and wondering, God, what are you doing? And... And obviously, over the years, it had a huge impact in our lives. And, you know, ultimately, after Zach died, we were thrown back into a lot of those same questions, not knowing why, and I don't know that we'll ever have an answer of why, and then God chose that. So you're coming out of ministry. You've committed your lives to serving God. You're doing everything you think and that I think most people would say was right, and then this happens. How did you, how did you deal with that? And you in your relationship with God. Well, first of all, um, you know, I grew up in a very, very godly family. My mother is probably the most spiritual person I know, and <laughs> she, she always, um, she would always tell me, no matter what the situation, bad, good, or indifferent, praise the Lord, no matter what. So. Uh, and she taught me, you know, Psalm 100. I memorized it when I was like eight or nine years old. And that's make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, it is he that has made us. And not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy endureth through all generations. Wow. And so that's kind of stuck with me. And she would always like, if she would hit her hand with nailing something with her hammer, she would like, praise the Lord anyhow, you know. (laughs) And so she always taught me from an early age to no matter what, to praise the Lord. So when this first happens and you're waking up in the ICU and you realized this is different. After a few questions to God, like, why is this happening, Lord? Then I, then I tried to turn it back to praise, even though my voice was unrecognizable. And I tried to sing, and it, it came out really bad. But he did give me some opportunities to witness to some of my therapists in the hospital. So, so, that, even, that it, cool. so even there, you're dealing with this profound life change. One of my therapists was having some marital issues, and 
his wife was going through something and he wanted me to pray for him and his wife. <laughs> wow, how awesome is that? That even in what was probably one to that point of the most trying times you've had, that instead of being angry and bitter, you're able to say, mama did a good job there <laughs> in teaching you and putting that kind of faith in you. Lisa? Um, I probably had, I know I had a really hard time um, questioning the Lord. And, especially, you know, we live in this social media-driven environment. And, you know, my friends are, you know, going on vacation and, and their husband and wife and, you know, going together places. And I just really thought, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm never going to have that. As I, And I, I struggled with that. I was like, Lord, it's just not, I hate to say it's not fair, but you, you can't help but say, you know, feel that. it yeah. didn't seem fair, you know, and, and I'll be honest, I still can struggle with that if I allow myself to go there. Well, um, it's almost like, you know, I think a lot of times people think, okay, you grieve when there's death. Or a but, law, a huge but loss. There, yeah, any kind of loss. It doesn't have to be a death. No. That, you know, there's all sorts of situations that create this sense of loss and that we, we grieve over those. And that's that's okay. Definitely. And I and I still, I mean, I, I believe that I heard, I think Rick Warren say, you know, grief has no expiration date. <laughs> you know, um, unless the Lord heals Rick completely, you know, and he no longer needs a cane and can dress himself and those kind of things, there will always be evidence of that grief of something that we feel like we've lost, you know, that we won't have. Um, yeah, I was planning and playing, playing in a senior tour in golf once I turned 50. <laughs> and how old are well, you Well, Rick, that? I mean, 54. let me just, this okay, begs so to ask the question. Maybe. All right, wait, what do I want? Are you good at golf? Or was that, was that a logistic? I used to be really he good was at actually golf. Pretty good oh, okay. Golf. All right, so that, well, to your point, Lisa, the idea that, Sometimes it's that initial grief, the initial loss, the initial shock of something that happens, but it's the layers that come along, and sometimes they come in waves. And it's like the thing that you hadn't really thought about, and then all of a sudden that's there, and you realize, oh, man, we're not getting to do X, or I'm feeling this thing now, and I didn't even think about that at the beginning. Exactly. I mean, little things like I would pull up to the supermarket, and um, I'd see a man and woman holding hands walking in the supermarket. And I would start to cry because I was like, Lord, I, I don't. Rick and I, was all, we'd always hold hands if we walked into the movie theater or walked anywhere. And we have not been able to do that, you know. So it's little things like that that you just take for granted, obviously. Um, I, and we I got one more story to tell along those lines. One good thing that came out of it, we, we took our family to... Uh, Walt Disney World a few years back. We took the whole family. Is this Rick, before or after? This is, this is after. After the stroke. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're there. I've got my little scooter and everything. And back then they had a thing to where you could sign up for this handicap. Um, you need to go first in line? Yes. yes. Yeah. So we got to go. The whole family got to go first in line. And one of my grandsons came to me and said, Poppy, we're so glad you're handicapped. We, we get to skip all the time. <laughs> Well, there you go. Out of the mouth of children. There you go. Yeah, they did enjoy that. Um, I mean, I guess getting to what I really, this is one thing I learned, and I've kept it this whole time, and I constantly still remind myself of this, and this is something sometimes I just repeat 
depending on what kind of day I'm having. Um, it is that God is good. He only wants good for me, and I can trust Him. Mm. Those three things. And those are it's very short and sweet, but those are the three things I struggled with the most. Has it made you change sort of your concept of what good is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I have to think sometimes, I don't know where we would be right now if that hadn't happened, but God knows. Mm-hmm. And God knows why we need to be in the situation that we're in. And so I constantly had to remind myself that God is good and he does want good for me and I can trust him. I, I mean, the trusting part was hard when I feel like, you know, when the situation happens, like, well, Lord, I trusted you. Because I remember the night before his surgery, uh, a woman at church asked me, she said, are you okay? Do you feel okay about this? I said, yeah, I have a perfect peace about this. I remember telling her that I have perfect peace. And then this happened. And I was like, Lord, I trusted you to take care of this. And but I look back now and I'm like, he he has taken care of us. And he even when your wife has to drive the car and you're hanging on for dear life. Yeah, Yeah, I don't even let Carla drive. I was like, I mean, think about some of just those little changes that would happen in your life. And I loved him driving me everywhere. I still love to be drove around like little Miss Daisy. I I can take being driven around. But but, you know, originally he couldn't drive. And so that was one big life change. And I would. I would sometimes cry my way to the gas station because I had to pump all gas. I mean, it's little things like that, you know. And um, One thing I I remind my friends because, you know, sometimes, you know, ladies get together and and they'll say, complain about, Whine and moan. Yeah, something my husband didn't do this, my husband didn't do that. And and one thing I learned is you don't realize everything somebody does in your life until they can't do it anymore. And so I tell my friends that because I tell them, it's like, you know, they probably do a lot more than you think. Because I remember when Rick couldn't do it anymore, there were little things that I thought, oh, Rick used to do this, Rick you took care of this, and, you know, and now I'm doing it. You know, so it it's things like that that you just, it takes a situation like this sometimes to obviously give you perspective on, on what's really important. And um, I, I can... I'm definitely Rick and I are opposites. Like I said, he like you can hear by things he has said how optimistic he is about things. I don't think of myself as a pessimist. I don't. I think Carla. I hope I'll y'all call yourselves realists. No, or something. exactly. We are realists. No, I was gonna say, but Carla, Thank you. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty optimistic. She's at actually work. Lisa yeah. is very optimistic. But compared More than to Rick, really but compared to no, Carla is very much too. But compared to Mr. Sanguine over here, hundred percent, you know, it's hard to compete with that. <laughs> so, I, I mean, um, yeah, and. I remember um, through the years since this happened, Lisa would just, again, she never, she never made it about talking about what was going on with them, but you would just, little things she might say, and all of a sudden it would hit me, like, wow, she now, like you said, there are things that physically he just can't do a certain thing, and so now she's got to own some of that, and so you know, the, the place that was amazing to me was to watch you not not be bitter, not be resentful. I mean, you, you've, you're sharing now that you've obviously had a lot of times that you're crying, which I'm kind of glad to hear that. That makes me feel a little bit better about myself personally. But anyway, <laughs> um, just that she would say it, but she didn't say it. She didn't say it in a way that was, oh, woe is me at all. It was just... This, this is, is what it is. This is this is so, a, this is a new this is so the new place. A, my next question: How is 
how has this really changed and impacted your relationship? You said one thing, just something as simple as, you know, we'd hold hands all the time. We were going in, walking into somewhere. And obviously that's something that's changed, small but profound. But what are other ways that it's impacted y'all's relationship with each other? I'll go first. We had a really, really strong church family that helped us. Mm. You know, I had, we had the children's program and having all these kids pray for you every <laughs> so Sunday. So that's part. I could remember, you know, I remember thinking that after Zach died, and, you know, there's that scripture that Paul says, bear one another's burdens. Right. And, and in some way, obviously, nobody can step in for you and right. take your spot and going through what you're going through. Yep. But they do do all these little things that help carry you through those. The church well, if you body. ever need anybody to pray for you, you need to go to the LOLs group. The little old ladies. Little old ladies. Yeah, they're good. They stay lots of time to do that. Um, I mean, our relationship, um, you know, we basically had to learn how to have time together. I mean, because we no longer could do maybe some of the same things we enjoyed to do. And we were both very always on the go, always, you know, active. And, um, and there were things that, you know, especially at first that Rick could not. I mean, we always have to think about, well, can Rick get up the stairs to get there can Rick get in the door even going to friends houses you know it's like I have to think can he get there can he get in the door yeah how many steps go into that right exactly is there a rail and you know when we travel it's the same thing you know um so traveling has always been a little bit difficult it's gotten better I mean obviously um but you know at home you know we try to um, spend different time together we pray a lot more together now than probably we did before (laughs) um just because we just, I don't know, I, I feel like we just, I, that kind of just kind of came about where we'll just take time to pray together for our grandkids or sons, you know, whatever's going on in the situation. And, and Rick's actually really been the one to initiate that many times and say, hey, let me pray for you. Or, you know, if he knows things have been hard and, um, you know, and, and I do have to do a lot for Rick. I mean, he, um, needs help with showering and he showers himself, but he, he can't get in and out by himself, you know, and, and then just helping him get dressed. So I mean, we were talking earlier about what time I get up, you know, um, to get to work on time and do everything I want to do in the morning. Cause like a, I'm a planner, right. Gotta <laughs> get everything done. But you know, there's no more just getting up and getting myself ready and running out the door. Yeah. You know? There's two of you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I may try to make sure Rick is settled for the day and he's, you know, ready to go and had breakfast and, um, got a lunch in the refrigerator if he needs it even though he called me today and said when did you leave me for lunch <laughs> i said that linguine in the freezer <laughs> um but anyway it's stuff like that that's made things different um you know and um well and then two weeks ago wednesday we're we're having our meal at church before our wednesday night service starts and she goes there's a marriage class starting over there you need to go to it and i said <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, whatever you tell me. Rick, let me ask you this, because obviously, you know, Lisa's talked about how she's had to help you and do a lot of things. You've gone from somebody who obviously was strong and healthy, and, you know, I'm sure you drove, you did all this stuff on your own. How has it changed since now you're actually, you're dependent on somebody else for just basic things? That's kind of the main thing that God has taught me in all this, is a little bit of humility and and patience to now you have to wait on somebody else to help you and to rely on somebody else versus you just doing it all yourself Hmm. which is 
really the, the story of a Christian life. We have to rely on God to help us. It is, I know, it's such a, I, I thought that was gonna be your answer because I'd know how I would feel in that thing that I'd be, I'd be impatient, I'd be, I just well, think that I would be so hard. I think I'd feel sometimes so trapped. Yes. And, uh, and yet I listen and you tell your story and it's such a picture of love in yeah. action. Yeah. Of just the love at its heart, it's, it's serving each other. One of the things that we talk about a fair amount or we say sometimes is the idea of when we stand, when, when the day we get married and we stand there and we say, I do, the reality is no couple knows what they're saying I do to. Nobody knows what the next years will bring. And, you know, the challenge, of course, is what kind of foundation you've laid so then you're ready, so to speak, for when the storms come and when life takes turns you never imagined. Um, what might be something you would say to somebody, you know, earlier on, you know, if, if you know, starting out or in the early years? Um, well, that's something that kind of came up because I remember at the beginning, I, really the first year, um, I had very little time because I was trying to figure out how to work and do ministry and, um, you know, take care of Rick. And we had, I think, three grandkids at that time. And, um and just try to do it all, you know, and I I felt like I had very little time alone with the Lord. Like I had always carved out time in the morning to try to do that. And, um, I just couldn't quite figure out the schedule. It was just, and I went to a friend of mine, I told her, I said, I just feel so bad. I said, I feel like I don't really have time with the Lord. Like I, I should. And she said, Lisa, she said, um, you have laid a good foundation. You have hidden God's word in your heart. And it's for seasons like this, <laughs> you know, to where God is still with you. All those things come to, and you know, verses come to mind. And, and one of the verses I kind of struggled with for the longest time, even before Rick's um, surgery, was my grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> I always kept saying, what does that really mean? <laughs> and um, during this whole process, I totally, I feel like for me, God spoke to me and told me what it meant. And for <laughs> me, it was... If I don't, Lisa, if I don't ever do anything good for you ever, ever again, there's no good blessing. There's nothing. I've already done everything you need. I've already given my son on the cross for your sins. And that's my grace. And my grace is sufficient in all weakness. So I, I, that's probably one of the big things that I've gotten out of all this is that I really feel like I grasp that now. I, I grasp what that grace looks like. And, and I need to ask myself, is it enough? <laughs> is what God did enough? If nothing else changes, is it enough? And I say, yeah, it is. Wow. That's a hard, it's, it's easy to say that verse, to read the verse and say, wow, that sounds good. Harder to live it. When it's harder when God is teaching us yeah. that he is enough. One last question. You know, I know you say you're the realist and he's the optimist. <laughs> That's why when Lisa and I first met, we said, we're the realist. Our husbands are off the chain optimistic. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Um, do you still 
you know, it's been five years and you progress some, but obviously not where you want to. Do you still live in hope? Do you still have hope? I do. What does that hope look like? Until I can get back on the golf course and drive a 300 yards drive down the middle, that's, that's going to be, I know I'm back at that point. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, we've learned to put our hope in the Lord. And I think that's, you know, whether, you know, anything changes or not. I mean, I, I know that that's what we want. And um, it would be a great giving, give God the glory, obviously, for anything like that. But um, we definitely have our hope there. It's really not anything else. So, Man, I tell you what, one of the things that I think God is constantly teaching me, I feel like I've just spent years in this place of trying to learn it, that when my hope is in anything other than Him, at the end of the day, that's going to disappoint. It's going to let me down, potentially. And that ultimately, you know, He's got it. He's got to be ultimately the one that meets our deepest needs, because otherwise life and things will disappoint. But y'all are such an incredible, powerful testimony to the grace of God. And having watched Lisa for five years, it is so evident what God has poured in and through her. Such graciousness um, when it would be so easy humanly to be bitter, to be angry, to be stuck. And so it's been an honor to get to know her and Rick vicariously through knowing Lisa because she tells me exactly what she needs and wants to tell me about Rick. So there you go, Rick. We are very blessed. Yeah, I wanted to say that too, that I know we talked about younger couples, what we would encourage them. And I think my every, through this situation, I don't know where we would be without our church family, without our life group, without those Christian friends that we've invested in and they've invested in us. And they just, like you said, they just, they hold you up. They, mm. you know, they, they bared our burdens. They took care of my lawn. They took, they cleaned our house. They Joey coming over and putting in handicap rails. Yeah, in we had, house. I mean, I, we didn't want for anything. I mean, mm. really never, I don't remember a financial hardship through that whole thing, which is amazing. Um, but I just would encourage young couples to really get involved in a, a church that they can plug into, find that life group that they can be a part of and, and grow with and just invest in those Christian friends because that's, that's what helps. I mean, that's how God God uses that to be blessed, and He mm. really used that to bless us. God doesn't promise to uh, remove the situation. Like He, he, says, he says, says there's going to be valleys. To live with, He it. says He's going to help you through the valley. You know, yeah. the twenty third Psalm says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil because God's with me." I said, "Yeah, we always want to sort of be on that mountaintop where it's nice and clear, and yet." Right. When you look, it's in the valley that all the good stuff grows. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to end with this, and I'm a big Chosen fan. So Yay, are we. <laughs> we are too. Yeah, I love, I, I hear your story, and the image comes to mind from season three, where he's getting ready to send them out two by two, and James dealing with his handicap. Yep. He says, how can I go and talk to people about you healing and what you can do when you haven't healed me? And that beautiful answer that Jesus gives, and this will be a, obviously a paraphrase, it basically says, God chooses some people 
not to heal completely this side of heaven because they're going to praise him anyway. And people can see them praising him with the challenges that he's given them in their lives and them trusting him. Man, how can those who aren't facing those challenges not know that God can be trusted? Mm. Such a beautiful picture. And your story is such a beautiful picture of that. That even in the midst of really significant challenge, that let's be honest, nobody would want to have to deal with that day in and day out and the changes it's brought. And yet it is still so obvious your love for each other <laughs> and your love for the Lord and how he is, man, how he still has just wrapped his arms around you and through his body just really carried y'all. And that is just a sweet story that I know is going to resonate with a, a lot of our listeners. So thank you so much. Yes. For what you've done, and I want to I want to close this in prayer mm-hmm. as we end this series and this podcast. If y'all just pray with me, God, thank you so much for Lisa and Rick, and God, I thank you for what happened because God, there is so much I don't know that they would have learned in the way they have. That God learned to trust you in this, and even in a in a way that so many in the world would look at it and say, "Hey, God didn't do anything," and yet they know what you've done. And they can praise you for it. God, we do. We pray for a complete healing for Rick. That, God, you might touch him and restore him to full function. But, God, how awesome is it to see a couple that even if you choose not to do that, they're not going to praise you any less. And so, God, I just thank you for them. And I pray that you will bless them, bless their family, bless their ministry. God, bless their marriage. Take them to a place that they never could have imagined that you would take them in that. And we give you all the praise, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, listeners out there, I hope you have been as blessed as Carl and I have as they've shared their story with us. And man, I just hope that whatever's going on in your life, that Man, if there's one thing, man, you know you can trust God that he will get you through it and lean on him. And on that, we just want to tell you to keep on forging.